We'll begin in verse number 13. So the king of Syria is warring against Israel. And it seems as though every time he makes camp, Israel finds out about where he's at. You know, they avoid this, um, I don't know whether you want to call it a war or uh, whether you want to call it uh, overtaking. They avoid that. Verse number 13. So the king of Syria says, Go and spy where he is. Who? Elijah. Elisha. That I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore send, sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city with both horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he said, answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. I'm going to stop there. So we'd just like to think about this, about opening the eyes. So as you read this, you know, there's a people here that can see. There's a people that are blind. We're going to come to a place to a people that we're seeing that are made blind. So, Elisha is the seer. In the Old Testament, the word S-E-E-R, the seer, the seer, the one who sees, the one who prophesies, the mediator between God and man, the man that is able to look in. And I don't, I don't say that he's able to look continually into the future as he is able to look into the Word of God and to reveal that unto man. So there is a seer, there is a prophet in the land, and that man is Elisha. And as the king of Syria begins to war against Israel, Elisha is the one that is seeing. And not only is he seeing, but he's, he's giving that revelation to the people of God. So as we think about that today, do you and I, do we need to see? I believe that we need a great revelation today. And as the Word of God says, Elisha can see. And I say this, and you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how, I, I, I've got a lot of places in the Bible where I'm looking and I'm seeing that God opened people's eyes. 
But as we look at this particular instance, there's a man here who can see, and there is a man here who cannot see. And Elisha is the man who can see his servant. And I believe he's there to be a servant. He's there to be a help to Elisha. But he does not see. And Elisha prays to God. And you know, let's think about it like this. Do you know people that are unable to see today? But if you're saved, if you're a child of God, you see today with a vision that people that are lost do not see. They do not have the same perception or vision that you have. You agree? That's what we have here. We have a man who is a seer, S-E-E-R, that's the Old Testament or the Hebrew word for the prophet. He sees. And as he reveals unto Israel and unto the people of God, here he is and he's praying that his servant might be able to see. As we look around today, there's a multitude around us that do not see. (coughs) They do not see the end. They don't see the situation as it is today. This servant of Elisha, could he see the situation as it was? He could not. What could he see? He could only see the natural. And that's the world we're living in today. You know, we mentioned the young man. I requested you to pray for him and his family. I believe a good young man, a fine young man, And you know, you may know a multitude of people very much like him. I believe a strong man, a strong-willed man. But you know what life is all about? It's all about the here and now and the natural. It's not. There's no vision of the future life. There's. I believe, and I don't want to go too far with that. But I say this: there's a vision, but it's a vision that's brought about by the natural man. It's a vision that there's a life after this, but that life, that life is not revealed by the Word of God. That life is not reality. It's what's made up in the mind. We're living, ladies and gentlemen, among a multitude, millions and millions, and I realize we're not living among millions in my life every day, but I believe around hundreds, I believe we're around tens or hundreds daily that do not have the vision that they need. But you, if you're saved, you have a vision and you have a, a, a vision that is based on what the Word of God says. This man that's looking, Elisha's servant, what does he see? All he sees is the natural. That's all he can see. The world we're living in, outside of the work of God. You you listen to this verse. Verse number 17 said, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Lord, would you give him a spiritual vision? Now the truth is, The city is surrounded by horses and chariots 
from Syria. That's the reality. But is there another reality? That's the natural reality. That's what we can see with the natural eye. But Elisha is seeing something else. Elisha, because of his foundation and, and, and his, his believing and his faith in the Word of God, Elisha is seeing something that his servant does not see. You and I today, if we're children of God, when we look at our fellow man and we look at our world that we're living in and we look at our... I, I believe it's this close. I believe that it's husbands looking at wives. I believe it's wives looking at husbands. I believe that it's husbands and wives looking at children. I believe that it's families looking at other family members. And the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, we are seeing through a vision and seeing through the Word of God something that our families and our people that are lost and undone, they do not have a vision of. They do not have the vision of the future. I tell you, this is a good story. This is a good outcome. This is a good vision. But let me tell you, there's another side. There's a side that does not have a good outcome. There is a side that the vision that our families and our people have, it being all natural and all involved in this world, unless God opens their eyes, they're never going to see what the truth is. The truth is, there's more here than what the servant sees. The truth is, according to the Word of God, there's more with them than there is with that group up there on the mountain. The king of Assyria sent his horses and his chariots, and they're surrounding Dothan. They're surrounding that city. But the truth is, by the Word of God, Elisha says there's more that be with us than with them. But his servant's blind to that. That's a good thing right here. Elisha's pray. I don't mean it's good that he doesn't see. I mean the outcome of this vision is good. But what about the outcome of the vision of my family and your family? What is the truth about them? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I ask you, is there another life after this? Then if all of my effort and all of my thinking and all of my vision is all wrapped around this life, I'm not really seeing what I need to. I'm not really having a vision or an understanding of what's really important. If we believe that there's eternal life, then there's life after this, then isn't there? If we believe in eternal life, now I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing right now, but I'm guessing probably the oldest person on the face of the earth right now is probably somewhere around 115 to 125 years old. But they're going to die. And most Americans live somewhere between 70 and 80 years old. If you've been blessed with longer life than that, you've been blessed. But let me tell you that the truth is, what we're seeing in this life is just temporary. 
This is only a temporary sight that we're beholding. What you and I are looking at is temporary. And if there is life after this, then I need to get a vision and an understanding and a focus and a perception of what comes after this because if we don't get and our families don't get a vision of what's after this, I tell you that the end of this life is going to be a total ruin. It's going to be an absolute ruin. But listen... Listen to this Word of God. At verse number 13, that I may send and fetch him, it was told, behold, he is in Dothan. And that word means this, two wells or two cisterns. And the first time that we see that is we see that down in in the book of Genesis when Joseph went down to see about his brothers. And you know right there is two, two different directions. Right there where Joseph goes down to Dothan to see his brothers, his brothers meant evil and God meant good. They throw Joseph in a cistern. The Bible said they throw him in a pit where there was no water. A cistern. Right there is two different directions. So here is two different visions. Can you see this? So if I looked at it like this, I could look at a well or a cistern. Is it two wells or a double cistern? So as I think about this, Elisha has one direction and the servant is seeing something else. In this life, there's two wells or two cisterns. Either I'm going to spend my time and all of my money and all of my effort and all of my thoughts and all of my affection on that that is temporary and that that is (coughs) in this world, or I'm going to get a true vision and I'm going to focus upon that that is eternal. You see, we're we're at a crossroad, folks, and our families as well. Elisha says this. Is this important? I believe this is important. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Elisha is seeing something that the servant does not see. If you are saved today, you are seeing your family with a vision that they don't see themselves in. You are seeing your people with a vision that they don't realize themselves. You're seeing eternity as something different than what they do. You're seeing the judgment in a different light than what they do. You are seeing God's God's wrath coming down in a different... You know, I, I, I don't believe that it matters what kind of life that people live today. In the mind of man, there is a way that man justifies being able to go to heaven. I believe that. I believe it doesn't matter if you're a murderer. You could, you could say this, well, you know, I could have murdered a lot more people and oh, so-and-so over here, he's murdered a lot more. I, I'm really quite a bit better than what I could have been and therefore I believe that I ought to be able to enter into heaven. It doesn't matter today what your thought is, what your lifestyle is. Uh, today, man justifies himself and somehow he is going to make it unto heaven. 
But the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got a vision that comes through and by the Word of God, we know different. But you see, our people do not. Our people are blind. This servant is blind. Not naturally. He got up that morning. They came in by night. What Scripture says. They came by night, surrounded the place. They're expecting to catch Elisha and bring him down to the king of Syria. But when he gets up in the morning and he goes out and he looks, you know what he sees? The mountains all around the city, the mountains are absolutely full of horses and chariots. That's what he sees. And as my family and your family and our people look around today, you know what they look at? Uh, They look at the natural and they look at that and that's all that they see. And that's what they're living for. Their life is consumed with living for this life. Their life is absolutely consumed with more and more of this life. And friend, when the end comes, they think that they're going to heaven. But if you are saved and born again, you know that if there's not a life been lived for the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's not been a rebirth, if there's not been a vision, if there's not been a change, you know this, that that is not the reality of what's coming. Elisha prayed that his eyes might be open. My family and your family and our people have got eyes. But all they see is the natural. They do not see... Is there a world that is unseen? You know, if I lived to be 125, how would I compare that? How would I compare that to 1,000? How would I compare that to 10,000? How would I compare that to 100,000? How would I compare that to a million? How do you compare 75, 85 years to eternity? There's no comparison, is there? Larry said a drop in a bucket. You imagine, imagine. I got five gallon buckets everywhere. And you know, imagine a drop off of the tip of your finger in a five gallon bucket. You think that could be noticeable? I tell you, you talk about a fine tuned scale. Now, it would take a fine tuned scale to measure that one drop off of the end of my finger into a five-gallon bucket. I'm not saying it's not not measurable. But as far as you and I are concerned, it's unmeasurable. That's the same as 200,000, ain't it? Yeah. 33 ten-thousandths of one percent. This is what I'd like for us to see. There is another vision. There is something that we need to see. My family and your family and our people need to see. I believe there's a good side and a bad side to this story right here. The truth is multitudes of people, their life is consumed with what's in this world. 
That's all they ever spend their time on. That's all they spend their, their money on, their affection. That's what they love. That's what they enjoy. That's what they are doing day after day after day. They're trying, if you want to say it in the way that it's been said through the years, they're trying to grab all of life or all of the gusto they can right now. But know this, if there is a life after this, how great is that life? What value would you put on the life after this? If there's another world, Elisha prays, God open his eyes. What's he desiring that he would see? He's desiring that he could see by faith. He's desiring that he could see that, you know, the Bible says about Moses, that he, that he saw him who was invisible. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season as seeing Him who was invisible. Is there an invisible host in this little story? There is an invisible host. There is a host that nobody can see until God opens their eyes. There is a life, ladies and gentlemen. There is a salvation. There is a judgment. There is a hell to come. There is a heaven to come. Uh, there is a life after this that man is unable to see until God opens man's eyes. Man is blind. Man is absolutely blind to the reality that there is life after this. Oh, preacher, I believe there's heaven after this. Where did you get that vision? Do you realize that before heaven there is death and judgment? Do you realize that it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment? We could look at that spiritually. And let me ask you this. Have you passed through that judgment? Have you gone through that death? Paul said, I was alive once, but the law came and I died. So Paul died, didn't he? Would you say on the Damascus road uh, that when Paul was so alive and Paul was so seeking after what he thought was the will of God, would you say on the Damascus road that Paul had another vision of what heaven was about, what uh, hell was about, what judgment was about, what Jesus was about? I tell you, we're living in a world that does not know about Jesus Christ. I tell you what he was. He was hid. He was. Jesus Christ was hid, and He's still hid today unless God opens the eyes of our families and our people. You know what He is? I tell you, to most of the world today, He is a genie in a bottle. That's what He is. When my tire goes flat, He's a spare. When I've got a diagnosis with cancer, He's the doctor. When, when, when it looks like my marriage is going to fall all to pieces, He's the one to put it back together. He's the, he's the one that's going to give me some money. He's the one that's going to encourage me. He's the one that's going to do all these things that I want. Let me ask you this. What are you going to do for Him? I tell you that all those things that man is concentrating on today are here and now. But the Jesus of the Bible was the Jesus that came and died on the cross for my sin. 
The Jesus of the Bible is the one that came because He saw my need. Because He saw that I could not see. Because He saw that I was on the road to hell. Because He saw that I was a sinner without any hope. I feel that's the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is the one that came where I was and saw me in my wickedness and my ungodliness and saw me in my blindness and gave His life that I could be brought into the family of God. That's the real vision that we need today. He's not a genie in a bottle. He is not the answer to all of your earthly desires and and problems in this world. He is the means of salvation for your sinful, wicked, dying, blind, ungodly, devil-captivated soul. Preacher, I know a lot of good people. They're not captivated by the devil. Oh, yes. The God of this world has blinded the mind. If you're not a believer and not a truster in the Lord Jesus Christ, and not ha- I'll tell you what we need. We need a vision of our helplessness. We need a vision of our sinfulness. We need a vision of our ungodliness. We need a vision, and I believe it's like this, we need a vision of the way that God sees us. I tell you what you got. You got you a tainted, prejudiced view of yourself. You're always looking at somebody else to justify you. When you get your eyes on the means of salvation, I tell you where I found myself, as was said earlier this morning, in the pit. I found myself in the mire. I found myself in the sin. And you know whose sin it was? It was my sin. It was my wickedness. It was my choice. It was my desire. It was my feel. It was my ungodliness. I found myself there. And I'll tell you what I needed. I needed someone to help me. I'll tell you when you get a view, a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ, as He really is, of a Savior, and you get your eyes off of other people and justify yourself. Oh, I'll tell you what we need. We stand in need of a vision of ourselves through the eyes of God. We need our eyes open. And I say church, not Liberty Church, God's church, the church of the firstborn, the church of those that are born again, you that are saved and have the Spirit of God, church, we need to be praying that God would open the eyes of our families and our people that are blind to the situation, blind to another world, blind to what's at hand, blind to all that's around them, blinded by the devil, blinded by the God of this world, blinded by the prosperity and the goodness of God, blinded by the blessings of this world. You know where we are today? We're supposing that gain is godliness. 
We're supposing because we've got X number of dollars in the bank, because we've not had some sickness, because our marriage has survived 45 years, because our children are making money, we suppose that everything we suppose that that, that it must be God's blessing. Me. Let me tell you that God's blessing are going to end when you die. The vision is God's wrath is going to begin. God's judgment is going to fall. God's equity and God's righteousness is going to come to pass because my family and your family that have no vision of God today, they're going out to meet a God who is just and holy and a God who crucified His own Son. And we're talking about a people that do not need that Jesus. We're talking about a people today that are continually judging themselves by others. Oh, that God would open our eyes to the reality of who we really are. When the servant of God was risen up early and gone forth, behold, behold, a host come past the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, Master, how shall we do? I believe this word alas right here, it means oh, oh, there's pain there. There's exasperation there. There's a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. When he goes out, just get a vision of this in your mind. Here's a city, maybe it's a small city, and the mountains are all around it, and everywhere you look is horses and chariots. This man goes out that morning and looks, and he says, Oh, oh, Master, what are we going to do? There's no hope for us. Oh, I want you to look at the situation we're in. That's where we have to come to. That's where we have to be. That's where we have to be broad. I'll tell you, friend, and I want you to think about this, that it's not the Syrian army that's camped around the border. It's not the Syrian army that's camped around that you're looking at. i tell you, it's the imps of hell. And not only that, something greater than the imps of hell, greater than the devil, it's God Almighty getting ready to bring judgment down upon you because your eyes have never been open to your helpless and hopelessness. Have you ever cried, Oh, what I have seen this morning. No. There's folks sitting right here that's never come to that. Persuaded by men, enticed by preachers, moved by what others did. Saul, Saul, where is he? He's laying on the ground, fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying, I persecutest thou me. Oh Lord, who art thou? Who art thou, Lord? Have you ever had a vision 
of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross being the one that you're fighting against? Have you ever looked and saw that your godliness, your morality, your church membership, your being good, all of your goodness is in competition with the grace and the mercy and the love and the favor and the offering of the Lord Jesus? Have you ever seen that you are putting yourself up beside Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God? You may have more than anybody in here. Somebody in here has got more than anybody else in here. I believe that Saul of Tarsus was a man in many ways who had more than anybody else. He had more self-righteousness. He had more zeal. He had farther exceeded and elevated himself above many. That was his equals. <coughs> but you know what he came to on the Damascus Road? A vision of himself. What was he on the Damascus Road? I tell you what you and I'll have to come to. We'll have to come to the same place that the Apostle Paul came to. We'll have to come to the place that we beg for the mercy of God. We'll have to come to the place that all of our righteousness and all that accolades and all of our zeal and all of our morality and all of our heritage and all of our family ties to the church and all of our family ties to Christianity, all of that will have to become as dumb that we may have Christ. I believe a man who had a vision of himself. <clears throat> you know what his vision was? He was going to surpass everybody in religion. He was going to exceed and excel everybody. He was going to be the top dog in religion. <clears throat> but on the road to Damascus, God gave him a vision of himself. And by his own words, he counted everything that he had done, all of his heritage, all of his zeal, all of his religion, he counted it all as manure. You may not agree with this, but he said, I counted it and I do count it, I counted it all as dumb that I may win Christ. Let me tell you this. <coughs> That's necessary. You do not bring anything to the table if you're coming to get Jesus. You don't bring anything in your little basket if you need salvation. 
You leave your religion. You leave your family heritage. You leave your church membership. The honest to God truth is, you leave your baptism. You leave that that you've done through the years. You leave that laying. And you count it all as absolute dung because all of that is on you. All of that is because of man. All of that is for the temporary. All of that is for the earthly. You have to get rid of all of that if you're going to have Christ. You do not get to have both. You can't hold on to what you've done and have Christ. Lord, open His eyes. Should you and I that have a vision... Should you and I, should we that are saved, should we pray that God would open their eyes? I ask you this. If God... There's a whole lot. There's a lot of depths there. But I'm just going to say it like this. If God answered Elisha's prayer, are you and I any different? Are we saved? Are we born again? Are we children of God? If you're saved and a child of God, would God answer my prayer? Would God hear the sincerity and the desire of my heart that my people, the people in this church, that our families might have their eyes open? That's what He prayed for. He prayed that His servant might have His eyes open. Oh, we should pray. We should seek after God's face that our families and our neighbors and our church members and our, and our sisters and our brothers and our family and our sons and our daughters and husbands and wives and, and parents might have their eyes open. <coughs> they don't see. They're blind. And it's got natural eyes. He's seeing the chariots and the horses. But I tell you, there's something else there. There's chariots and horses of fire. Now this is morning, I'm guessing. But you know, if he saw those chariots and horses, there was something distinctly different about those other chariots and horses, weren't they? I tell you, they were burning... They were glowing. There was something greater about them. I believe you could say this, that as he looked and his eyes were open, he saw some chariots and horses, a friend that burned with the power of God. He saw things in a different light. He saw things. He saw, I, I, I believe it's like this, a friend in the darkness. You know where he was? He was in a place of darkness, in a place of blindness. He was in a place of fear. What not he? What in a place of fear? But you know, you turn the light on. Isn't that what them little boys and little girls want? Isn't that what they want? Daddy, turn the light on. I'm scared. I tell you, Almighty God can turn the light on. And in our lives, we need the light of the Word of God turned on. And when the chariots of fire and the horses of fire, I friend, when we realize that they're around us and they're near, and I tell you, they were there already. But he couldn't see it. They were there. They were there. Elisha said, Lord, open his eye. Elisha saw it. They were there. Were they not? 
They were there. But man is blind to it. I'll tell you, friend, his fear was taken away when he saw what Elisha saw. Church, you that are genuinely saved, we've got help. There's help near. The source of our victory is near. The means to overcome the enemy is near. The means for our families to come to genuine salvation and be taken out of the hand of the devil who takes them captive in his will. Uh, the means for that to happen is here. And by the Word of God, God help us to pray that their eyes might be opened. Paul said, I thought, what he said in the book of Acts, I thought to do, I thought to do all kinds of things against the name of the Lord Jesus. But I tell you, on the Damascus Road, his eyes were open. On the Damascus Road, Saul of Tarsus had a new vision. On the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus saw himself in a light. I believe in a light of the fire of God, in a light of the Holy Spirit of God, in a light of the Word of God. The Lord Jesus spoke to him. He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecuted. I tell you, friend, you know what my family and your family need? They need a Word that comes off of the throne of God with the embers of burning burned down in their heart that their eyes might be open. It's my job to pray that God would open their eyes. It's your job to pray that God would open their eyes. And the truth is, they can't see. They're blind to their real condition. The God of this world has blinded their mind. Why did Paul say, Timothy... Timothy, a lot of folks are going to say that gain is godliness. Are we not living in that world today? We are, folks. I believe if there's ever been a community eat up with goodness, it's Spring Creek. If there's ever been a community... I realize there's ungodliness. But humanity thinks that if you're blessed and you work hard and you're good to your wife, and you're good to your neighbor, and you pay your bills, God is obligated to let you into His heaven. I don't mean that that's just in Spring Creek, but I believe it's prevalent right here. I believe it's prevalent where, where this man right over here works. I believe it's prevalent in our schools. I believe it's prevalent in our neighborhood. I believe it's prevalent all around us. People think that gain is godliness. I tell you what we need. We need some real godliness. We need a real vision. You bear with us another, another minute or two. I'll try not to be too long. So, Lord, He prayed and said, Lord... Who can do this work? Honest to God, who can open the eyes of people that are spiritually blind? You can't do it and I can't do it. Lord, open their eyes. Lord, open His eyes. 
that he might see what I see. That little Christmas song, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Elisha. Elisha says, Lord, let him see what I see. Oh, God. I believe, I believe it's like this, folks. I believe, Lord, let her see what I saw when I was going to hell. God, let him see what I saw when I went to the altar. God, let him see what I saw when you gave me faith. God, let him see when it looks like everything's falling down around me. Oh, God, when I'm surrounded by the enemy. Oh, God, let him see what I see. I see God camped round about us. God, help us to see that. Our vision is so hindered and cumbered about with the blessings of this life that we don't see the enemy right beside us. We don't see hell lurking at the door. We don't see that there's a payment for sin right around the corner. Because of the blessings, we never consider what tomorrow will hold. There was a season, folks. For seven years, there was seven years of abundance. The next year was a year of drought. And seven, six more years followed that. You know who had that vision? Joseph. Well, preacher, the king had the vision. Pharaoh had the vision. Pharaoh did not know what the vision meant. Joseph. And I believe it like this. I believe there was a man down in the prison who had the Spirit of God. There was a man down in the prison who had the envision, who had the light, who had the, uh, uh, the vision of Almighty God in his heart. He was able to see and God used him. You know where he started? Way back there at Dothan. Down there at the two wells or the double cistern. Uh, friend, God meant it for good. His brothers meant it for bad. I tell you where he's at. Friend, he's down at the king's house. You know what he's got? He's got a vision of what's next. Made preparation. What about you? Have you had a vision of what's next? Ask yourself, how old am I? How safe am I from death today? How safe am I? What preacher? There's no way I could have an accident today. You could pull out of the church lot and get killed. You could have an aneurysm go to the brain. You could have a blood clot go to the heart. You could have a heart attack today and die. I'll ask you today, how close are you? How safe are you from going out to meet God today? How safe are you? How safe are you with your vision today? How to enter into the portals of glory and God accepts you. 
We need a vision of where we really are. We need a vision today. I were so cumbered and clamored about with all that's going on in our world between our jobs and our family and our pleasure. We have no vision of where we really are with God this morning. Lord, nobody else can do this job. Lord, open his eyes. Elisha prayed. The word means to intercede or to intervene. Let me ask you. I've seen it before right here. You see a little boy a little girl headed to the highway? You see a little boy or a little girl headed to the highway out here? Honest to God, I don't believe it matters whose little boy or girl it is. I don't believe it matters if it's Jessica or Joseph or, 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 or Anthony's or Rita's or Dwight's or David's. You see a little boy or a little girl headed to the highway, I'll tell you what you want to do. You want to intervene. Look today. Notice now, he's not a bad man. He's Elisha's servant. Is he a good man? I believe you could say on the outside, on the temporary, on the earthly, on the natural, he's a good man. He's out to do a good work. But he's blind. Our world and our church and our neighborhoods are filled up with good people that are headed to hell today. That are headed to hell today. There's one mediator. One mediator between God and man and that is the man Christ Jesus. The only hope for them to escape hell is for Christ Jesus. But you know, today He made me a king and a priest. He made me, if Elisha can pray in the Old Testament, should I not pray in the New Testament? Me being saved, being a child of God, having the Holy Spirit of God in my heart, having a vision that the other people did not have, having a vision that the lost do not have. Should I not pray? Should I not intercede? Should I not try to get in between them and judgment? Should I not beg God to open their eyes? Open his eyes. I believe you need to say this, folks. I'm not trying to be too critical. Don't open their eyes. Open his eyes. Get it down to the individual. Get it down to the individual who needs their eyes open. I'm say this, and I say it honestly, and I say it in absolutely no way boastfully. There's some of you that every time I get down to pray, and I, and, and I have to say this, if it's my negligence, that others, that every time I get down to pray, I don't mention you. But there's some of you that every time I get down to pray, you're on my heart, you're on my mind, because I want to do my best to intervene and to intercede with God for you, because I know today that you, your life is wrapped up in this world only, and you have no vision of what is around the corner. 
and time is running out. Who would have thought that a 48-year-old woman who went in for a heart valve would die six weeks later and leave a 13-year-old? Are you exempt? Do you have a handle on the day of death? Can you stop it? Can you prevent it? Oh, that God would open our eyes that we might pray that God would open His eyes. God would open her eyes. It's a work of God. There's no, you can't do it. But I tell you, God can do it. God can do it. Open his eyes that he may. What, 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 do, you, what do you want him to see, Elisha? God. God says, Elisha, what do you want him to see? I want him to see, Lord, that there's more with us than there are with them. Lord, I want him to see the reality. Lord, I want to see that we're camped about uh, with so great a cloud of witness and the host of heaven, we are entered into the family of God. God opened His eyes. <laughs> and Elisha prayed, and the Lord said, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes opened the eyes of the young man and the mountain was full of horses and of chariots of fire round about Elisha. You know where he is? He's with Elisha. God's coming after His church. He's not coming after anything else. His church is the called out. His church is the saved. His church is made up of sinners. His church is made up of the ungodly. His church is made up of that big long list over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 of the most wicked and the most vile sinners you ever seen. And such were some of you. That's who the church is. His church is not made up of good men. His church is not made up of moral men, women. His church is not made up of faithful in the sense of the outward or the temporary or the earthly. His church is made up of sinners who God had changed their heart and changed their lives. So there's a good side and a good end to this story. But folks, there's another side to the, our families and our people that do not know God. There's a bad side and a bad ending to this story. If Jesus was the Son of God and came to save sinners, are you saved today? Are you really saved today? Has God done a work in your heart? Can you see today where you were? Can you see today where you're headed? Can you see, let me ask you this, can you see your way out of the judgment of God? What is your way out? 
why should God allow you in to heaven? Answer that today. Start over here with Camden. And let's go all the way around the church. Everyone inclusive. All the way over here to Donna. Why should God allow you into heaven? Answer that question. He can take away the fear. He can take away the hopelessness. But He will not take that away until you come there first. You'll have to come to fear. You'll have to come to hopelessness. You'll have to come to, Oh! Master! What shall we do? From what I see, there's no hope. Anything on your heart, 